Okay, welcome to Mr. Luis Lopez, a uh, one of the finest teachers I ever had the pleasure of uh, working with in a classroom. Um, the administration plucked him out of the classroom at Chula Vista High to put him uh, in charge of a visionary, I think, and very exciting program. Um, what, you're starting your third year, is that, on this program? Yeah, this would be my, my third year as uh, Equity and Culture Curriculum and Instruction, TOSA. I know it's a lot of, <laughs> lot of words out there, but uh, yeah. basically right now I'm working on social-emotional learning supports. So it is... Uh, TOSA is a teacher on a special assignment or something like that? Is that the... Right, right. And I apologize for the bad habits of acronyms in education, but yes, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's remember that our audience is, uh, uh, well, there hopefully be quite a few educators, but most uh, are not formally <laughs> uh, involved. So uh, tell me, what, what is your... Uh, what, what are your duties? Whew. So systemic SEL would be the main function, right? So thinking about social emotional learning, not just as the lessons we deliver in the classroom, but also the culture and climate at the site and the adult component, right? So all of those parts and pieces that would fit into restorative practice, like uh, restoring relationships, well, my job would be you can't restore what's not there. So how do we help build the competencies, right, of self-awareness, self-management, responsible decision-making, social awareness, and the building of relationship skills? So my job is to kind of figure out, okay, well, what does the site need at the moment? Do they need a lesson for their students? Do they need support for their adults? Um, how do we build on the restorative practice work if they've started that? Okay, so, it, um, and you're doing this, uh, it's cross-curricular. Uh, uh, and so, for example, I, I wondered, we first talked when you first started this job, um, and I was just amazed at, uh, like I say, I think it's, it's, it's visionary work to ensure that there is a restorative component to each class at each school. Math, science, social uh, studies, uh, the whole planopy of, uh, of uh, uh, classes that are taught. And, um, you know, I, I always thought you were particularly well suited for this job. I went into your classroom not only are you a great teacher, but you are a great advocate for your students. Uh, your ninth grade class was the only ninth grade class that I trained. I've trained over 5,000 students. And uh, of that number, I think 32 of them were ninth grade students in your classroom. And what I forget the title of the course you were teaching. Uh, First, thanks for those those kind words. You know, they say if you spot it, you got it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, the, the name of the course was Prep for Success, right? It was 
a pilot experiment on incorporating teaching in class, restorative practice, social emotional competencies, the principles that successful people use, right? As well as the habits that they instill, the values and the practices while also being academic in reading, writing, speaking, listening. Uh, yeah, we, uh, uh, we train your kids in uh, uh, the team court process to be jurors. And uh, I, I actually was quite surprised. The fear is in teaching ninth graders is that most of the offenders we get in the team court are older, you know, 16 to 18 years old uh, uh, is a majority. And when you get a ninth grader who is, you know, what, 13, 14? Um, uh, and typically that's a, a year of great maturation, uh, but, you know, for a, you know, an older teen to have a peer, you know, four years younger at that age, which is, you know, gigantic. Uh, I, uh, we had a concern that uh, it might not be as accepted as it had been. And I was so pleasantly surprised. Uh, we had several of your students who participated in some cases. And in a couple of cases, uh, uh, participated and became leaders uh, in the program, uh, you know, a couple years, three years down the road. Um, yeah, and so it was marvelous. And I learned a lot uh, about the younger uh, students uh, uh, as a result of my experience with you. But tell me, what do you do? I, I mean, math. Uh, how do you put in uh, the restorative uh, uh, pieces into a mathematics class? I love that question. And first, I want to acknowledge and recognize you for having the structure of Teen Core, right? For giving <laughs> us the opportunity to sink our, our teeth into it. And kind of backtracking from something you said earlier, Greg, going into math, right, infusing restorative practices across content areas, right? We start with the foundation that the human condition is in constant recovery, right? We're restorative, but what is it that we're restoring, right? It's like we're in this constant rehab for being humans, right? <laughs> and the restorative <laughs> right? So we're, we're in RA anonymous, right? Restorative anonymous. And we're just trying to grab a hold of, of a of a guidebook, right? We're, we're born into this world, but nobody gives us the steps or a guidebook of, of what the human condition is. So it's always exploration, right? And so a lot of what we do is in the world of, de of, of doing, not in the world of being, right? In the world of doing, there's a bunch of stuff that we have. In the world of being, it's, it's who we're being with that specific content. So for example, in math class, right? It's a content area. There's the science of math instruction. There's the art of math instruction. And then there's the human element of math instruction. And you can repeat that for any content area, right? And it's the whole concept of you must Maslow before you bloom. If I, my human needs are not met, how can I possibly progress 
on Bloom's taxonomy of these very high thinking order skills if I'm in crisis, right? So as I enter the math classroom, do I feel like I belong? Do I feel like I'm safe? Do I feel part of the community? Am I valued? And if I can check all those off, then you know what? I feel good enough and safe enough to share my thinking on a math problem. Now I can speak, read, write, and listen. And all of that's taken care of. Now I can be very creative and synergistic with my math class. And I can go into co-creation, synergy, and even go up to the world of possibility of things I can never imagine. We can't do that without relationships. We can't do that without relationships. <laughs> yeah, it really is all about relationships. And, you know, when I started teaching uh, rather late in life, one of the first things that, uh, you know, I did a lot of reading. I hadn't been trained as a teacher. And it appeared to me that you had no chance to really connect with a student unless that student trusted you. And that um, contrary to what appeared to me uh, to be the perspective of a lot of teachers is that they deserved respect because they were the teacher. And candidly, in today's world, especially teaching with, uh, uh, you know, underrepresented or marginal, marginal, marginalized populations, it's just not, it, 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 it doesn't really happen. You have to earn the respect of the students. Uh, and it is, uh, uh, you know, what you're talking about is just all about that, it, trusting. Uh, they need to trust. You need to earn the trust. And um, from that, I think a lot of things flow. So as you're checking your boxes, I think all of those things do lead to trust. Uh, the knowledge that you care about that person as a person, not merely as a uh, somebody who needs to learn algebra. You are a whole person and this is a small part of your life. Uh, you are spot on. And this is where I have to acknowledge our wonderful, amazing, committed Sweetwater math teachers because I was had the opportunity, the pleasure of spending time with them these past couple of years and really understanding what, what they're up against in the math classroom as well, right? because systems will do what they're intended to do, right? And so that's why my focus has also been on adult social emotional learning, could be adult restorative practices, right? Interchangeable, mm -hmm. because a classroom climate and culture is a shadow of a teacher. And so in a system, we can be told, right? We can be told, have grace and flexibility with your students. In our system, we can be asked to be restorative with our students and build relationships with them, right? My question is, is the system doing the same for our educators, right? Have we created healing and nurturing spaces for the teachers that build relationships in the classroom? And I've got a lot of great examples where that's happening and it's amazing, right? The teachers are nurtured, they're supported, their adult needs are met and they translate to the classroom. And I only highlight that, right? Because Yes, we, we look in the classroom, but what surrounds the classroom? What's the context? And can we have a relational school? 
right? Where it's it modeled by the leadership. It's healed and nurtured among staff to staff, st staff to student and student to student. Yeah, it's beautiful. Isn't it wonderful when a plan comes together? You know, and I sense from what you're saying, it is coming. It's a long road, but boy, is it worth traveling. <laughs> yes. Um, oh, and, and just before uh, we go on, uh, for the benefit of the uh, listeners, you referred to uh, uh, what Bloom's taxonomy, uh, which is a term that I didn't learn until after I started teaching. But could you explain exactly uh, what that is? Yeah, so for Blooms, we start with introductory lesson, right? Can I identify and can I define? Basic vocabulary building, right? Do I know what it is, right? And as you understand what something is and you get into more conceptual thinking, right? Can I collaborate with it? Can I use it? Can I apply it? Right? Can I create with it? Can I synthesize with it? And so that is just the journey that we take into a very rigorous lesson, right? It's how we build rigor in the classroom. We don't just give them the final piece. Okay, create something with this, right? <laughs> We're going to start yeah. with both. You identify it and then we check for understanding at each step, right? But each step, right? Sometimes we're making the assumption that our student is prepared to take the next step because we can only synthesize Right, with other people and work with other people when we have a relationship with them. And that's the piece I want to highlight because a lot of times um, restorative or SEL, social emotional learning will be dismissed as fluff as opposed to essential to building that high level of rigor. And yeah, in um, I think more layman terms, you're really talking about the key element uh, that actually motivated me to start. And that's critical thinking. Uh, I found, um, you know, I was volunteering at my alma mater, not teaching. And I was going around and I say, you know, these guys, uh, when I say these guys, the teachers are really doing a pretty fair job of teaching facts. But wholly lacking, and I might be exaggerating there, is teaching the kids what to do with the facts. Uh, I think a large measure of that is teaching to the test. You know, you have to do this to get the test. I'm glad that we're moving away from that, but, uh, you know, the teachers are assessed based on their kids' uh, scores on standardized tests. And in order to do that, uh, at least when I started, which was, you know, like 12 years ago, I guess, uh, um, uh, there wasn't room for uh, uh, teaching the kids how to critically think that it's a skill that you need to work on in order to gain the competency that can really lead you to that synthesis, uh, create, you know, putting ideas together to create new thought. And again, I saw the attitude of a lot of people, well, these kids aren't gonna do that or they can't do that. And um, candidly, I found that the better job I did teaching, 
uh, was in circumstances where I let the kids uh, off the hook, you know, answer those questions, keep them moving, but let them come up with their own conclusions. Uh, you know, again, when I started, I would, uh, you know, teach and uh, I knew what my expectations were. And in large measure, the kids might meet those expectations. But when I got to the point of, okay, what's your conclusion? And I backed away. It was all project-based, so uh, they blew me away. So I, I came to the conclusion they would, I would get frustrated. I says, hey, guys, in my class, which is teaching law classes, it's not my job to answer these questions for you. It's my job to pose the right questions. And once they got into that, boy, did they start thinking all of a sudden. I mean, it, you know, again, it's a process, but... Um, we can, we can break this down, okay, because you, Dr. Lubbig, are a model educator, and you're a powerful educator, okay, and the reason that you are that is because you walk the walk, okay, you model, right, when you came into my class to teach us about teen court, you weren't just teaching us, right, you were not telling us that you cared about us, you were showing us that you cared about us, right, so this project, right, Teen Court, and this wonderful restorative work you've done in the world is inspired, right? It comes from a place that is in your heart. So when you transmit that to us, right, we're in service. And what you gave us was a service learning opportunity. Okay, you are a restorative social emotional leader because not only do you exemplify it, right? You help us define it. So you walked us from what is teen court, right? Definition to mm -hmm. how to apply it. But then you allowed us to feel safe enough to co-create it. And you proved the concept that ninth graders at Chula Vista High School who may have had some challenging um, academic um, experiences and came from all walks of life to being just really brilliant kids take on this project in service learning, right? service learning was, was what taught the kids responsible decision-making because we give them choice, right? Mm -hmm. it, it taught them social awareness because they had to be around their surroundings. It taught them self-management because they had to manage their time and manage their responsibilities and self-awareness. They had to kind of understand who they were and what they stood for to do the work. And it was restorative because when things broke down, we restored it. <laughs> well, you know, it... I, I do believe uh, it's a wonderful program, and unfortunately, it's on pause because of this darn uh, uh, virus, and uh, you know, which turned me into a podcaster. It seems I can't keep my mouth shut. If I don't get to talk to kids, I'll talk to anybody who will listen. You know, <laughs> which is why I'm here today. Uh, you know, all things considered, I'd much rather be talking to kids directly. <laughs> I'll sort of try to fill the void where I can. I'm a big kid. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can't think of anybody better suited to do that. Um, so is uh, whose idea was this? Uh, you know, how did you get, I was, uh, you know, I, I saw you at the administrative offices one day and you know, what are you doing here? And you told me, just like blew me away. But who, how did, what was the genesis of the concept? 
Well, the pilot at Chula Vista High School for a dedicated, explicit SCL restorative practice class, right, was supported by my awesome administrator, Mary Rose Peralta. Our um, assistant superintendent, I mean, our, our superintendent had priorly, when she was an administrator and teacher, had developed a prep for success shell, right, a concept. So it was like a blank check, like, go for it, Mr. Lopez. You can work with these kids on this and we go figure it out. And as a pilot, what I didn't understand at the time was you can't teach social emotional learning and restorative practices in isolation. You cannot go at it alone. I tried and I burnt out the first semester because I didn't understand I needed a support team behind me, right? And so that's what every step of the way, it was this experience where if this was in our system, this would be more sustainable. So as we learned how to do the class, I learned what was needed at a school. As we learned what's needed at a school, I understood what we need for support at a district level, right? Because it's not just about helping the student, it's about helping the system. We're not there to fix students. They're wonderful. We're there to fix systems. And so the whole concept of this position of equity and culture, Tosa, is kind of like a startup, right? You're flying the plane while you're building it. <laughs> and lucky enough to have really great support team at the district level to you know, provide trainings and insight and help conceptualize how you build this into a system so that it, it, it's supported. Yeah, and you're lucky to have uh, Dr. Alvarez. She uh, 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 was a principal. I taught at Crawford and she was my principal. Uh, for a wonderful couple of years. I consider her a friend and a mentor and she's just got a wonderful mind and uh, so caring uh, about the kids that, you know, I think again, that sort of filters through the system. Uh, and uh, so lucky to have a guy like you um, to, you know, carry it on. It's, it's um, you know, it, it I remember we had the kids in front of a, uh, the board. Uh, we were at an advocacy group that was trying to get uh, 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 state legislation to fund teen courts in high schools. And we asked the board to sign a resolution in support of our proposed bill. And so I had kids who came down and made the presentation. And at the end, uh, uh, some of the board members were started to ask questions. And they asked this one young lady a question. And she was thinking about it. And the question was, well, why did you get involved and in, uh, what kept you involved? These were all leaders in the teen court movement. And the young lady was asked, and she said, well, you, uh, can you come back to me? So certainly. And at the end, she says, you know, I started because I needed community service hours. Mm -hmm. I stayed because it made me feel good. Mm -hmm. And one of the board members asked sort of like a follow-up question. He says, well, all the kids, you know, we're all so serious and professional and we're trying to do good. And, you know, I wish I had the words. Mm -hmm. It just makes me feel so good. And I'm thinking to myself, goodness, give me a month to prepare something and I couldn't say it any better because the kids just given the opportunity to do something 
that is real, you know, that is practical, you know, making a judgment on an actual criminal case involving a peer. Uh, you know, the effort they put in is so far and beyond any school project or any other assignment that uh, they might do. And it really helps build that self-awareness and that self-confidence. You just see them grow and gain their voice and everything you're doing. You know, I always tell the first day of school, I'm here because I believe in you. I believe in each and every one of you. And uh, there's a lot of people on this campus who do, but I got news for you. You aren't going to be able to reach for your star until you believe in yourself. And what you're doing and what Teen Court does, I believe, helps them gain that self-confidence, helps them find their voice. And that it really is sky's the limit. You know, uh, uh, so... I mean, gosh, tell us some stories about your, uh, uh, you know, about the breakthrough moments. I started teaching and somebody asked me, what the hell are you doing this for? Because I was retired. And I said, I, you know, I, I really think I can do something. And uh, uh, he said, well, what are your days like? And I, and I thought and I said, well, right now, this is my first year, is it? It's hours and hours of frustration surrounding moments of exhilaration. And it's sort of like a drug, I guess. All those, you know, when you see the light bulb go on, it's like, you know, getting a shot of heroin or something. If you're a heroin addict, you know, you just want more of that. And this is what restorative work does. So can you... Uh, Tell us stories uh, about what you've seen so far. Well, yeah, I think uh, how you felt is what I think we all want to feel. And, and that dopamine release is real, right? When we're in yeah. service, when we're, when we're in service to people, there's a, a kind of happiness, right? That lights up in us. Um, I know you felt it through teen court. I, I felt that with my students. And wouldn't it be a great gift, right? That if, if we could pass that gift on to our students, so they pay it forward and they have that feeling. Right, because everybody wants, you know, we're, we're doing equity work, right? Yeah, to what end? Why, why is it that we're transforming schools? What would be the purpose of equity work? So that every single student has the opportunity, right? To reach above and beyond their potential. And it's those kind of experiences that have been my like aha moments, right? Why, why am I teaching SEL? Why am I doing restorative? When those students have those aha moments where they realize that the limitations are only set by themselves and they release the shackles that the world has supposedly placed on them and now they're free to dream and create when they taste that there's no going back i saw that in teen court i saw that in in, in marlene i saw that in all of the wonderful teens i saw them just kind of well we we created this right because when you give them that example when you see that light in their eyes, it, it, it's game on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember one of my, my homeless foster students that I was working with. I mean, talk about being up against it, right? And then slowly and surely that shell that had been built around him, as it does with many of our ninth graders, right? Started to crack. 
And he realized that no matter the challenges that I've been given, these are now my chances for resilience. He realized that these things had happened not to him, but for him, right? And that he was able to build resilience and then go accomplish whatever he wanted to, right? He just needed those non-examples and he stepped right into them. Wouldn't we want that for all our kids? <laughs> yeah, it, it, uh, well, it must be really satisfying work. Do you get to work with kids at all? Or are you just basically with teachers and administrators? So this year, I, I've been fortunate enough to have a, a distance learning classroom. So I really understand what that experience is at uh, Eastlake High School. Um, it's not in my, in my realm that I'm, you know, of social emotional learning. It's, it's world history. But it also gave me an opportunity to embed, well, what does SEL embedded into world history look like, right? And so I was able to build all those community builders and, and connect the students to get to the academics like we talked about earlier, right? Uh, so that's been interesting. Yeah, it's got to be tough. You know, I've done a couple of lectures and, uh, you know, to my old, uh, you know, the Academy of Law at, at Crawford. And um, boy, uh, attendance is a big issue. And then the kids come on, especially the girls who haven't made themselves up. You know, I, you know, how come? Because I look at a screen and it's all, you know, just black with the name at the bottom, no picture. Uh, there's no requirement to, you know, log into the Zoom using uh, the imagery. And, uh, it's just weird. I mean, uh, you know, when you can't, I mean, you talk about building a relationship. How can you build a relationship when you're talking to a blank screen? It seems very hard to me. It was very frustrating. And I don't think I would do very well if uh, I had to teach a class for a year like that. I mean, uh, I'm, you know, a touchy feely sort of guy, you know, I mean, I love the kids. Uh, you know, the difference between talking to a blank screen and sitting down with a, a, you know, a young adult and really talking, you know, about meaningful <laughs> topics is just uh, my hat's off to all the educators today because it's got a, you know, it's been probably a year like nobody's ever seen. I mean, is, is your experience, did you got, did you have good attendance or? Yeah, no, and I'm happy to bring that up. So first, okay, let's acknowledge that the challenge is real, right? It's been oh. a frustrating and challenging time for our educators. And then let's go into a reframe because, right, I could tell you I care about you or I could show you. You're great showing, showing people that you care about them, right? So you would have done great and you would do great in the distance learning environment, right? And so what I say about the reframe is that, yes, it, it is challenging, Right. It is challenging to be in a distance learning situation, but it's more about the assumption that the students are not connecting with you because they haven't turned on their camera. Right. And more about the realization that who you are shines through whether their camera's on or not. Right. That the students would feel cared for because that's what you hold in your heart. So my experience this year with that was, was first having that conversation with myself. Right. I'm frustrated that my students don't turn their camera on. Well, let's, let's, let's think about that. Let's think through that, right? What is it, the frustration? Is it frustrated because it's something you need or it's because something they need? 
It's because it's something that I need. Is it about me or about them? What would keep them from turning their camera on? Well, you're, they're inviting us into their home. And if I was a teenager, I would already be worried about what I'm wearing. Now I got to worry what's in my background and if it looks nice or if my <laughs> house, you know, if I don't have my brothers and sisters running around or if I'm living in a home right now. And I'm not just like staying, you know, kind of um, staying from place to place because I don't have a home. And I, I have seen some screens where, where, where students turn their cameras on and, you know, their background is maybe their backyard or, you know, something that they're, they're, they're trying to find a way through it. So I decided early on, we're not going to put our kids through that. I'm going to make the assumption, right? The positive intent that they want to connect. And I'm going to love them, even if they're a little blip, blip on my screen. And I will find <laughs> a way to connect with them, right? The result has that been, is attendance has been great. Wonderful. Been great. And I have asked students, you know, what is it that makes you like log on? Because our attendance has been done really well. And it's because I know that here's a place that I'm valued and cared for. That's a, yeah, that's a real skill in, in these days. Like I say, I've only, uh, I think like three times. Uh, and, uh, you know, tried to get up for it. And it just is so different than different than my experience. And, you know, I'm no good with computers. Uh, I've learned a lot these last few months trying to get this together and have uh, the benefit of a very uh, wise and patient uh, IT consultant, or else I never would be here talking, <laughs> talking to you. But um, uh, boy, again, my hat's off to you. Um, uh, so I, uh, anything else you uh, want to add? I know I, uh, you're a busy guy, and I like to keep these things short enough that uh, nobody loses interest. But uh, what would you like to add to the conversation, if anything? And that I guess in this kind of work, it, it's easy to get wrapped up into the systems and the things we don't have. Um, I would say that there's genius in every single one of us. And if there's any, any time to tap into that, it's it's right now, you know, to take a step back, take a deep breath and realize that it's really just kindness. <laughs> it's compassion and empathy. And, you know, any that you got, please spread it around because we could all use our cups being filled a little bit right now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is for sure. Well, Luis, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm so happy to see you thriving and doing such good work. So I'm going to uh, ask you when, uh, you know, uh, make some notes of these aha moments. And uh, when you've got a few that you are comfortable in sharing, let me know and uh, we'll get you back on. And uh, I, I know Dr. Alvarez is busy, but let her know that I'm still searching for her <laughs> yeah. and I'm not going to give up till I lasso her. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, and get her on the podcast but i wish you well i thank you for your your insights uh, uh you know i think you are right on and it is such a wonderful concept uh, to try to incorporate restorative uh, 
into every classroom and every teacher and what you're doing is uh, uh, like I say, it's visionary and uh, I wish you the best of luck. And, uh, you know, I want you to keep us informed. Absolutely. Okay, my young friend. Thank you. How's, how's your wife doing, by the Thank way? Thank you so much. She's doing all right. She's doing okay. You know, like we're, you know, we got our, our ups and downs with the challenges that everybody else is facing, you know, but we're, we're resilient and working through them every step of the way. You know, Great. Um, I'm hoping that um, she's able to start at Sweetwater soon as a, as a classified uh, uh, substitute. Um, and so we're going to be, you know, keep pushing that forward and, you know, be working together in that capacity as well. Okay. Well, I think about you and her often and glad to hear that uh, she is doing well. Going to get so back much. to work. All it's right, my friend. You. Good to see you healthy as well. Stay healthy and safe. It's always a yeah, pleasure. Yeah, do my best. <laughs> Take care, man. Take care. Bye-bye.